Okay, we are going to continue in the chronological life of Jesus. We are in John chapter 12, reading in John chapter 12, verse 12. John chapter 12, verse 12. And this is Sunday, where we are in the Scriptures, is the Sunday before Jesus' death. So we have tracked the life of Jesus chronologically, and we are now into the last week of His life. So there's nothing recorded about the Saturday. We have recording about the the, the Friday. And then Saturday, he was apparently resting. There's nothing recorded. And then it picks up again in the the story of the Gospels on Sunday. So Jesus is, is killed, is crucified on a Friday. This is the Sunday before this. This is the day that... Uh, um, Jesus is going to start, it's called this triumphal entry into Jerusalem. This is the day that the Passover lamb is set aside and examined in Israel. So before, when they have the Passover, each family has to have a Passover lamb ready for the Passover. The Passover lamb has to be a lamb without blemish. This is the day they set it aside. This is the significance of this day. Jesus is being presented to the city of Jerusalem. This Sunday, before the Passover, He is being presented. And remember where Jesus is staying. Jesus is staying in the town called Bethany. That's where Lazarus is. He's staying with Lazarus, the one whom He raised from the dead. And, and her, her, His sisters are Mary and Martha. And, and uh, then if you go from th- this, this little town, Lazarus, you go about two-thirds up this hill, then you're in this little town of Bethpage. Top of the hill is the Mount of Olives. You go down the hill into the valley, back up the next hill, you're into Jerusalem. So from Bethany to Jerusalem, I, again, I don't know how the, how the paths were in that day, uh, uh, sometimes if, if the hill is really steep, the path can be winding, as you see this day in Israel, but certainly within a 30-minute walk, maybe less. So it gives you an idea of the, the distance. So let's pick it up in John chapter 12, verse 12. On the next day, the large crowd who had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took the branches of the palm trees and went out to meet Him and began to shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Jesus, finding a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, seated on a donkey, on a donkey's colt. These things his disciples did not understand at first. But when Jesus was glorified, they remembered that these things were written of him and that they had done these things to him. So the people who were with him when, they call, when, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to testify about him. So we're in John chapter 12, verse 18. For this reason, also the people went out and uh, went and met him because they had heard, because they heard that he had performed this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, "You see that you are not doing any good. Look, the world has gone after him." Okay, so what's happened is that this is Sunday. Jesus is, he travels from Beth, Bethany, this little town in, 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 this, in this valley. He goes up the hill and in Bethpage, his disciples, as we'll read in the next gospel, all four gospels record this incident, find a colt there and Jesus rides a colt now a young donkey into the city of Jerusalem because it's written, 
because it is written in the book of Zechariah that that's how the king will be presented. So everything that was written of him is being fulfilled. The people are throwing down palm branches. They are acting as if this is not the Passover, but they are acting as if this is the Feast of Tabernacles. It is at the Feast of Tabernacles that the king is going to come and set up his kingdom. This is not a re-offering of the kingdom to Israel. That was already done. There is nothing that Jesus says that is a re-offer of the kingdom to them. The kingdom cannot come at this time because the unpardonable sin had been proclaimed. Jesus is then going to come and be presented in Jerusalem. It says that many people, it says that we just read, that many people were coming because they had heard that Lazarus had risen from the dead and the people who had seen it were testifying about it. So they became witnesses to this. So there was a large crowd that had seen Lazarus risen from the dead. They're testifying to this and it's really upsetting now the Pharisees. It says, look, all these people are following them, following him. So you see that this jealousy of this huge crowd. Now we're going to pick up reading in another one of the Gospels, Luke chapter 19. Like I said, all four Gospels talk about this incident. But we're only going to read these two Gospels just because of time. In Luke chapter 19, verse 29, we're going to start reading about the same incident and see what other things that we might be able to find here. Luke chapter 19, verse 29. <clears throat> he approached Bethpage and Bethany near the, Mount of Ol- near the Mount that is called Olivet. He sent two of his disciples saying, Go into the village ahead of you. There as you enter you will find a colt tied on which no one has yet ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And they were untying the colt. Its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and they threw their coats on the colt and put Jesus on it. And as soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles that they had seen. So, we learn that that, uh, uh, Jesus went from Bethany, he goes a little bit up this hillside, and he sends his disciples into this town of Bethpage. Now, this town of Bethpage is not like the city of Houston. These are small towns. Small towns, and he said, go in there, you're going to find a colt. And as we look in the other two Gospels, it's even more explicit. It says you're going to find a donkey there with her young colt, untie them and bring them to me. Here it's just talking about the colt. And he says, if anybody should ask you, if anybody asks you, why are you untying the colt? Say to them, the Lord has need of it, and they'll release it to you. And so they go into the town of Bethpage, they see a colt there, and they see it with its its mother, and so they start untying it. So remember, this is like taking somebody's car. I mean, this is is not theirs. But they're just doing what the Lord told them to do. They start untying it, and the owner says, hey, what are you doing? It's a natural thing of an owner to do. Hey, what do you think you're doing? And they say, the Lord has need of it. Boom, he releases it to them. And they bring it to him. So this, is, this sounds very odd, but I have heard, I heard a, when, when I was in college, I heard a man speaking about how he, he was, this was during World War II, he had to get on a ship. And uh, um, the, uh, uh, at the time, this was in India, at the time only the military could ride, ride on ships. 
And he had to get on this ship to travel, I forget to where. And he says he went there and they said, no, only military can travel. Are you, he says, uh, uh, are you serving in the military? He says, no, I serve the Lord. And they said, that's good enough. And they let him on the ship. So when I was a student, I wanted to try this out. And, and so I met this young lady because I used to go through the, the, the student center and, and just sit down and just start sharing the Lord with people. That was one of the things that I did when I was a student. And, and I used to knock on doors. And I was sharing with this young lady and, and she started crying. I said, what's wrong? She said her brother had fallen off of the roof of the home and had broken his neck and was in the hospital. And, you know, and so I said, do you mind if I go and pray for him? She said, no, not at all. And so I got his name and, and, and the hospital that he was in, the hospital address. And I didn't have a car. But the hospital wasn't that far from the campus, so I walked over to the hospital later on that evening, and uh, I got to the hospital and I said I wanted to visit this person, and and the person there said, no, visiting hours are closed. Uh, she said, are you family? I said, no, I've been sent by the Lord. She said, that's good enough, and I went in and I prayed for him. So it really works. Um, and, and, and so it's just something I, I tried. You might want to try that. And so it says that they came and they brought it, and so he, he started riding on this. So remember, so he, he walks from Bethany up toward Bethpage. His, his disciples go in, get the colt. Then it goes up to the top of the Mount of Olives and starts going back down the other side of the Mount of Olives into the valley, and then it's going to start walking up into Jerusalem. And he's riding on it because this is exactly what the Scripture said, how the king would be presented. It said in the other one that they were throwing down palm branches. In fact, there are two other times where they welcomed those whom they thought that w would be, be uh, uh, kings. And this is in the, in the book of Maccabees, which is not recording in the, in the Bible. It comes later. It, it, it's, it's after biblical times. And uh, uh, you see that, that there were two other great conquerors were coming in. They thought that Jesus was going to reestablish their kingdom at this time. And as we just read, the disciples didn't even understand this. Even though four times already he had given them his kingdom program about how he, now he was going to have to die for their sins. He would have died, but he would have then risen from the dead and established his kingdom. Now he's going to raise from the dead and set up the church age, which is what we're still living in. But it says that the whole crowd began singing and praising joyfully. And now let's pick it up in Luke chapter 19, verse 38. They were shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So here they are praising Jesus as He's coming in. This is no small thing. Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. This is the, exactly the day that the Lamb was set aside. The perfect Lamb was set aside. The timing is absolutely perfect. In verse 39 of Luke chapter 19, some Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered and said, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. So the Pharisees were really jealous. You know, if Jesus were not God, some people say Jesus was just a great prophet, but he was not God. If this were the case, he never would have received praises like this. He never would have received this kind of praise. This is God come in the flesh. He never tells them to be quiet. And He says, look, if these people be quiet, the stones themselves will cry out. And then He comes into Jerusalem in verse 41. When He approached Jerusalem, He saw the city and He wept over it. There is no reoffer of the kingdom here. 
He sees the city. Jesus sees the city of Jerusalem as He's coming up on it. So Jerusalem sits on top of a hill. He's coming up this, 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 this uh, hill, going up into Jerusalem. He's coming up and He sees this city sitting on this hill. And He doesn't start rejoicing. People are rejoicing. He's weeping. Jesus is weeping while these people are rejoicing. It says, He wept over it when He saw the city. Well, why is He weeping over it? Well, let's see. Here's what Jesus says. No reoffer of the kingdom. This is what He says in verse 42. If you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side. And they will level you to the ground and your children within you. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the day of your visitation. Does that sound like a reoffer? He's weeping over it and in his weeping... He starts to prophesy. He says, if you had known the things that make for peace. He says, it's not peace that's coming upon you. He is prophesying over them the destruction that's about to occur in about 70 A.D. This is in about 30 A.D. this is taking place. In 70 A.D. there's going to be a destruction of the city of Jerusalem. And he says, if you only knew, but it's been hidden from your eyes. You guys are blind to it. You don't see I've prophesied about it several times, but you just don't see. He says, the days are going to come when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side. And that's exactly what happened. There was a surrounding of that city by the Romans. They surrounded it. But just as was prophesied, Jesus in, in, in another portion had spoken and he talks about this. He says that when you see the, the, the army surrounding Jerusalem, then you're going to know. And that was the warning to the Messianic Jews. There were about a hundred Messianic Jews. That, those are Jews that believed Jesus was the Messiah living in Jerusalem in 70 AD. None of them died because they saw that. They recognized that this was the end. They were going to fight right alongside of their, uh, of their brethren there in that city. But when, when they saw these, they remembered the words of Jesus. He said, when you see this, flee. What happened is the Jews put forward another man that they said, this is the Messiah. And the believing Jews said, we can't accept that. Jesus is our Messiah. The siege lifted for a short amount of time, something on the order of a week or two. The Messianic Jews fled. They went across the Jordan into Perea. The siege then returned and engulfed the whole city and destroyed it. None of the Messianic Jews died in that city. You read in the book of Hebrews the warning to them. He warned them, he said, if you turn back to the things of the law, you're going to get trapped in this city. This is what he's talking about, their, their destruction in the end. And then he describes very precisely what's going to happen in verse 43. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side. And they will level you to the ground and your children within you. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. They killed everyone. And they didn't just kill everyone in the city. They threw the stones down. You can go today 
And you can see huge stones where they just pulled the walls of Jerusalem down. And these stones fell from such a height that the stones below that made the walkway just crashed right through those stones. So you see these big boulders crash through other flat stones that had made up the pavement, the, the, the walkways in those days. And you can see them there to this day. You look at, wonder how that stone fell off that wall. Well, you had an army of Roman soldiers that pulled it down. That's how it fell. Jesus prophesied that this very thing would happen. And He says, because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. I want to look at, at uh, first. I'm sorry. If you turn over to uh, Isaiah chapter 55, this is this is kind of like in the middle of the Bible. Isaiah chapter 55. And we're going to read from verse Isaiah 55. We're going to read from verse six. Isaiah 55, verse 6. It says, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Remember what Jesus said. He said, You didn't recognize the time of your visitation. And here the Scriptures say, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Why would the Scriptures do this? Is there a time... Is there a time when we might find God and then another time when we might not? Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. In Isaiah 55, verse, in, in Isaiah 55, verse 6. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and He will have compassion on him and to our God for He will abundantly pardon you know, we have opportunities in our lives to come to the Lord. We have opportunities. There are opportunities that, that we have to come to the Lord. And then there are other things that start coming in upon us in life where it's like we've lost these opportunities. You say, how can this be? Well, I'll tell you, and I've seen it. What happens is, Lives become more and more complex. You say, well, you know, I'm a student. I'm really busy. You don't know busy. You have never been as busy as I've been. Okay, let me tell you what happens. You get out of school. Yes, you don't have exams, but you, you buy a home and you get a mortgage. You get a car on credit. You get, you get that. You get married and you start having marriage problems. You get kids and they start going in all sorts of directions and you wonder, how am I going to get a hold of them? And you've got so much going on in your life and you're at work and, and things are happening to you at work that, that aren't good. There's guys making passes at you. There's sexual harassment. There's things that are happening. And your life is just an utter mess and there's no time to even think about the Lord. Recognize the day of your visitation. This is an opportunity. The time that you have here today, sitting in this class, you don't know if it's going to be rejoined to you. We don't know what's coming in the world. We don't know what's happening. It says, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. If the Lord is near to you, if you are thinking about these things, seek Him. Seek Him now while He may be found. 
call upon Him while He's near. He says, let the wicked forsake His way, let the unrighteous man his thoughts. You don't have to be filled up with these unrighteous thoughts. You can't overcome them without the Lord. You cannot get control of your thought life without Jesus filling your life. First get Jesus to fill your life and then you'll have control of your thought life by His power, by His grace. There is no victory in trying to get hold of your thoughts without Jesus first filling your life. I know this because I've seen it in my own life and I've seen it in the lives of many. He says, he says uh, um, and let him return to the Lord, in verse 7, and he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. You come to the Lord this day. Come to the Lord this day. This is the day of your visitation. This is the day that you have a chance to hear. Come to the Lord this day. Don't put it off and say, well, one day I'll come to the Lord. You won't. It's a lie. There's things that are going to encroach upon your life. And for those of you that have never been married, learn to come to the Lord and pray that God provides you with the right spouse because there's a whole lot of people that marry the wrong person and it gets their lives in a real mess. And a lot of you may have been married and are already suffering from the pains of going through a divorce being married to someone who never knew the Lord or loved the Lord, and you see what it's like. Come to the Lord. You know, I was just reflecting with my wife, with Shireen. I just sat her down and I said, listen to this. And I just started to recount. I said, remember where I met you and how we met there in New York and, and how the Lord started working in our lives and how we got married and then you came with me and went to graduate school and there we were in, in, at Purdue and in Indiana. I said, and then you came with me to my postdoc in Wisconsin, and then a postdoc in, 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 uh, at Stanford, and then our, my first job at the University of South Carolina, and then to Texas, and we visited these places. And just, just to be able to recount our lives together, and then start talking about when our children were born, and what it was like when they were born, and the things that we were going through, and just to look back over a life where I have one wife, that I love. I love to be with her. And we can recount and enjoy these things. There's not this constant friction dealing with these things. Come to God. He has all of this for you. What we have in this book, in this Word, I see the trash of what people go through. I, you know, I was just reading in the news just last night these, these two, two uh, different programs that are coming on TV. And I don't watch TV, but these two reality shows that are coming on, I'm thinking... What are these people going to do to their lives by going on that show? They have no idea the destruction that's going to come into their lives because of what they're going to do on that TV show. And I know better than to do that because the Word of God instructs me what's right. It is such a beautiful thing. In in Deuteronomy chapter 4, it says, What nation has the laws, the instruction that we have that teaches us what to do that's right? The book that we have that instructs us, that teaches us, is like no other. This is why I love this Word. I meditate on this Word because it's in adherence to what's written here that the, our lives follow along a path. And that means that you know, there are many Christian lives where people die. There's pain. But even in that pain, you can see the glory of God. It's not like the pain and suffering that the world has. There is a hope that is eternal. He's coming and He's saying, Seek the Lord while He may be found. And then in, 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 verse, uh, in, in, in Isaiah 
55, verse 7, it says, For He will abundantly pardon. Come to God. He will pardon. You say, well, I've been through too much. I've done this. He will abundantly pardon. There is nothing that you have done. Nothing that other believers have not done and still come to Jesus and been abundantly forgiven. Come to the Lord. Come to the Lord and be abundantly forgiven. To the believer, to the believer who's gone astray and done things that they know they shouldn't have done, come to the Lord and be abundantly forgiven. You don't have to live in that place anymore. You give that to the Lord and that is behind you. The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, I've cast that sin from you. I mean, how far is the east from the west? I mean, how do you do this? As high as the heavens are above the earth. He says that He's cast them into the greatest depths of the sea. And as Corey Ten Boom says, and then he puts up a sign saying, no fishing here. You know, He just takes your sin. He gets rid of it. Just gets rid of it. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. He says, for as high as the heavens are than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts higher than your thoughts. He's imploring us, come back to the Lord. Come to the Lord. Let's look in... Uh, um, Let's look at another verse, 1 Corinthians. Uh, we're going to look at, a, a, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to start reading from verse, um, verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. It's in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. And working together with Him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For He says, at the acceptable time, I listened to you. And on the day of salvation, I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today is your day when you can be saved. Today is the day that you can be saved. I know that people come here for many different reasons. Some people come because they want to hear the Word of God. Some people come because they want to see some scientists teaching the Bible. And some people come because whatever reasons. The parents have told them to come and so they've reluctantly agreed. Today is the day of salvation. Come today. If you have not received the Lord, today is the day of salvation. Your life will never become easier than this day. You have nobody putting a gun to your head. You, you're, not, you're, not, you're not sitting in a trench with bombs dropping on your head. Come to the Lord this day. We are going to spend some time in prayer. And I'm going to pray. And I want you to pray with me and ask Jesus to come into your heart. I want you to pray with me and ask Jesus to come into your heart. You do it this day. Don't let this day go without doing it. And now, if you know the Lord, you just say, Lord, renew that. Let me grow in you. If you will take this book and make it your daily meditation, this will give you a path for your life that will bring good in your life. If you take this book and make it your daily meditation, the Scriptures promise us, it is a promise of God that He will provide us with good things as a result of meditating on His Word. You know, Roger mentioned it in, in the church service. I, 
I sit in my group meeting. I, I was just reading this article about uh, Scripps. I don't know if you ever heard of it, the Scripps Institute. It's this amazing institute in, in, in uh, La Jolla, California. Heavily funded, the best of the best in biomedical research are there. That place is just upended. Funding has become so tough from the National Institutes of Health. They're running huge deficits, over $20 million a year deficit this year. Uh, huge deficits. The faculty are fighting with each other and because everybody's running out of money. Huge research groups around the, around the country running out of money. And I sit there and I'm like, there's so much money coming into my group. I have the opposite problem. I have this embarrassment of riches. I don't know what I'm going to do. I sit in my group meeting. I mean, one good result after another after another. And I look up toward heaven. And in my mind's eye, I see nothing physically, but in my mind's eye, I see the Lord smiling at me saying, see if you can fit this on your lap. Because the Bible says, you will have blessings flowing on your lap, overflowing your lap till you can't hold it anymore. And it's as if God is smiling. See if you can fit this on your lap. Just boom, boom, boom. God is so good and so gracious. The things that He will do in a life. The scripture, there are scriptural promises that if you take this Word of God... Now, that doesn't mean you don't have hard times. I've gone through times where I've had just deficits and I've just cried out to the Lord and get a little bit just to see me through. And there are other times of great riches, but even in those times of deficit, the Lord has always seen me through. God has a prescription for your life. You begin to pray. If you're not married, I just beg you to pray that God would bring the right spouse in your life. You have to pray this. And to not be deceived. And, and that you, start, you meet somebody say, Lord, is this the person for me? You want to get that right. That's not something you want to mess up. And there are enough people in here that have been through marriages already, even though most of the people in here are, ready, are, are, are really pretty young, that have been through marriages and can tell you the hell that it is to being married to the wrong person. And some of you come from broken homes and you've seen it firsthand yourself. Pray. And God will do it. God is faithful. He is faithful. And if He doesn't provide, He's got a higher way for you. He will be a husband to you. He will be a companion to you. He will. The Lord will see you through. What we have in Jesus Christ is so good. Today is the day of salvation. If you've wandered, you recommit your life to walk with Him. Because it is so pleasant to walk with God. You will look back and you'll say, wow, look what God's done with my family. Look what He's done with my life. And you'll say, in spite of all my failures, look at what He's done. This is what God does. In spite of us, He blesses and He pours out. We're going to pray. Let's pray together. As I pray, I want those here who have never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ to pray with me and to ask Jesus into their hearts. Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. I am a sinner. Forgive me. And I receive the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ I receive His blood. Wash me clean. 
Lord, come into my life. By your Holy Spirit, come into my life and work in my life. Father, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you. Let me walk in your way. Let me set my life right. Father, help me. God, help me. And for those of you who know the Lord, but have wandered from Him, or not taken His Word seriously, pray with me. Father, forgive me for not taking Your Word seriously as I should. Forgive me for my sins because I am a sinner. Wash me clean by the blood of Jesus. Lord, let me start reading Your Word and doing it. Let my life be an example of Jesus living in me for the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. And Father, I pray that You would take these young people and do a great work in their lives. Father, spare them the pain of not walking with You. Spare them the eternity of not knowing You. Because forever they will be separated from You and from Your love if they were to reject You. Father, have mercy on them, I pray. And I give this to You in the name of Jesus. Amen.